to the Forgiven Once For All podcast. My name is Shannon Lee, and I'll be your host today. This week I wanted to look at something a little different. I wanted to kind of, I think it's going to take a few weeks, but I want to look at the early church. I want to explore who they were, what they believed, and how what they believed then might be different than what we were taught today. Also this week we're going to be looking at a book by the author David Bentley Hart, his book That All Shall Be Saved. Um, We're going to look a little bit into the intro and talk about it and what it meant to me. Okay, let's get started. So That All Shall Be Saved by David Bentley Hart. David Bentley Hart um, is an American author. He's a scholar. Um, He earned his bachelor's degree uh, from the University of Maryland, his master's of philosophy degree from the University of Cambridge, his master's of arts and doctor of philosophy degrees from the University of Virginia. He has taught at the Universities of Virginia and University of St. Thomas in Minnesota, Duke Divinity School, and the Loyola College in Maryland. He served as a visitor, visiting professor at Providence College, where he also previously held the Robert J. Randall Chair in Christian Culture. During 2014-15 and academic years, Hart was Danforth Chair at St. Louis University in the Department of Theological Studies. In 2015, he was appointed as Templeton Fellow at the University of Notre Dame Institute for Advanced Study. Uh, I got that information from Wikipedia. Um, David Bentley Hart is, is a philosopher. He's a writer. He's a thinker. Where I first heard about David Bentley Hart was a New Testament translation that he did himself uh, from the original Greek, and it's called the New Testament, a translation. Uh, In this translation, he endeavors to throw out all the tradition that has compiled over the generations and just translate the word how it meant to the person at that time, which I believe is how the Bible should have been translated in the first place. So anyways, he wrote this book that all shall be saved. And this book is very eye-opening. I really like his style. He he does have more of a classical, um, you know, scholarly type of writing style, but He's very funny, he's very witty, and it's very informative. Uh, The chapter outlines it's really, it was not really a book, it was meant to be a essay of sorts, a very long essay, but he actually wrote it in three parts. The first part is a question of an eternal hell. Second part is epoxtasis four meditations, and the third part is what may be believed. So I'm going to read a few uh, quotations from the introduction of this book, just to kind of get you a taste of it, and uh, so you can get a feeling of what it's about. 
So from the introduction, it's one of the quotations that says, there have been Christian universalists, Christians, that is, who believe that in the end, all persons will be saved and joined to God in Christ since the earliest centuries of the faith. In fact, all the historical evidence suggests that the universalist fraction was at its most numerous, at least in its relative ratio of believers in the church's first half millennium. Another quote, it says the universalists were not even necessarily at first a minority among the faithful, at least not everywhere. The great 4th century church, Father Basil of Caesarea, 329-379, once observed that in his time, a large majority of his fellow Christians, at least in the Greek-speaking Eastern Christian world that he knew, believed that hell was not everlasting and that all in the end would attain salvation. Another quotation from the introduction, it says, Much of what I shall argue in this book, consequently, is likely to seem rather exotic to many readers, and perhaps even a little perverse. But this would not have been the case in, say, the first four centuries of the Church, especially not in the eastern half of the Roman imperial world and its neighboring territories, precisely because the believers of those times and places were closer to the culture, language, cosmology, and religious expectations of the apostolic age. As yet, their imaginations had not been corrupted by centuries of theology written in entirely different spiritual and intellectual environments. And in alien tongues, my chief ambition in what follows therefore, is to try to think through the certain questions about the last things in a way that might naturally bring me nearer to the obscure origins of the Christian conception of reality. When the earliest texts of the Christian scriptures were still being written, edited, and sorted through, and designated as either canonical or spurious, Another quotation says, I mean only that if Christianity taken as a whole is indeed an entirely coherent and credible system of belief, then the universalist understanding of its message is the only one possible. And quite imprudently, I say that without the least hesitation or qualification. So here we see we kind of have a, a layout of what this book is going to be about. It's about the early church and what they believed. And it's about a belief system that was prevalent in the early church. I believe from the writings of Paul and onward called universalism. Now, universalism, we've we seen it defined a little earlier that it is the belief that in the end, God will do exactly what he said he's going to do. Jesus came to seek out and to save that which is lost. 
And the universalist position is that Jesus is going to win. He is going to leave the 99. He's going to find every lost soul where they're at. And they will be redeemed. The universalist position doesn't believe in an eternal hell. Um, there are different beliefs on hell. Some don't believe in hell at all. Some believe it's just God's purifying love that that when when embraced by that love that you are refined like pure gold. It's not a fire of judgment, but a fire of refining and purification. So the universalist position, we cannot ignore this position because it was clearly a belief of the early church. Now, this is not something that's taught in modern Christianity today. And to be quite frankly, and it's a position that quite frankly, 10 years ago, I would have argued against with passion. But the more that I begin to understand who God is, and the more that I begin to understand the love of the Father and the power of the cross, the more I begin to understand what the early church believed, that all men shall be saved. That's what this book is about. It's an intellectual laying out of facts and thoughts, and it requires you to search your soul and to answer those questions. If God truly is good, if the Father is the entire embodiment and epitome and definition of love, and he is all-powerful, and he loves us with an undying love, then what does that mean? What does it mean to our theology today? See, what I really believe happened, and I don't believe necessarily that it happened out of malice, but since the time of Augustine, see, when you, you start hearing about church fathers, you'll hear about Augustine of Hippo. And that is like where most theology is drawn from, is that one church father. And he was from the West. You know, you had the, the Eastern church fathers, you had the Western church fathers, you had the Syriac and the desert fathers, you, you had different groups that obviously for geographical reasons, they were in different areas. And as the church spread out for the first couple of hundred years, 300 years, 400 years, each group began to develop its own theology or takes on theology. And Augustine, which by the way, couldn't read Greek, he was using the Latin Vulgate to translate um, which was a poor translation. And I believe he, because of that, came upon some wrong ideas. Now, Calvinism and Arminianism and all the, the major points of theology we have today were derived from arguments from St. Augustine. Now, what about the other early church fathers? We had church fathers that 
you very rarely hear about because they don't fit the agenda of modern the modern church. You've got St. Clement of Alexandria. You've got Origen, Athanasius, St. Gregory of Nyssa, Basil of Caesarea. These were all universalists. They wrote and they preached and they defended the universalist position in their writings and their beliefs. Some of them were from the early apostolic age all the way to the three, four hundreds. These are the early church fathers, the, the first few hundred years of the church, and many of the leaders were universalists. So I really encourage you to go out and to grab this book and to read it. And read it again. I have read it. Well, to be honest, I've listened to it because I drive a lot. So I'll listen to books while I drive. But I have listened to this book at least three times. And it has completely shaken the way that I thought the church was. I really believed that the church doctrines we have today were believed in the very beginning of the church. I didn't know about universalism. I didn't know about Gregory of Nyssa and Origen. I'd heard of Origen, but not really his beliefs. This book was very powerful to me on a personal level because it caused me to think. And it caused me to look in and to understand why I believe what I believe. Now, I want you to stick with me. And I want you to not shut me out as some lunatic. I take to heart when the Bible says, Woe unto you if you preach another gospel. And I really believe that the gospel that we have been taught today is another gospel. It's a gospel that is different from what the early church believed. Paul was an apostle that preached grace. And he preached the power of the cross and the power of forgiveness. And that's what the early church taught. This book will help you to dive into the Eastern mindset. See, we're from the West. This book will help you to understand the culture and the uses of their words and how they may have thought differently about something than we do, or they may have seen it differently. But anyways, I encourage you to check it out. It's called That All Shall Be Saved by David Bentley Hart. Uh, next episode, we're going to look a little bit further into some scriptures that I believe show universalism. And I hope this helped you. Until next time, remember, God is madly in love with you.